take your copy of God's Word and open it with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the verses on the screens in just a moment, but we're going to be in John, chapter 4, and we'll begin in a moment in verse 43. When my children were much younger, we went to Sarasota one time to see the circus, and this was back in those days where it was very common uh, to see elephants featured in the shows. And it was common, if you recall back then, to see a, a giant elephant before the show chained to the ground, tied to this small stake. And this elephant had all of the power to easily rip that thing out of the ground, but it did not do so. And you know why not? Because when that elephant was a baby, it was chained to a stake that was buried deep in the ground when it did not have the power to pull it out. And after months and months of that baby elephant trying to pull out that stake, eventually it came to the conclusion that it just wasn't possible to do so, and it quit trying. And eventually you have this adult elephant that is strong enough to literally pull trees out of the ground. But it's chained to the ground on this short chain tied to a, a small stake. You know, there are a lot of people who are needlessly chained this morning. There are many people who are needlessly chained by sin people who are needlessly chained to their past. There are a lot of people who are needlessly chained to addiction. They're needlessly chained to any number of things. But unlike that elephant, their problem and our problem is not a lack of faith in ourselves. Our problem is a lack of faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that without faith it is what? impossible to please him. Notice, not difficult, it is impossible to please him. And you know why faith is that important? It's that important because it is by faith that we indicate our agreement with everything God says. By our faith, we indicate our agreement with who God is. And that's why everything that happens in our lives and everything God allows to happen in our lives is for this purpose of raising our faith. No matter how much faith you have, no matter how long you've known the Lord, there is always that next step of faith, that next level, and God is always working in our lives to bring us to that next level. Now, in our passage of Scripture this morning, Jesus has an encounter with a very desperate man. He's desperate because his son is sick. He is at the point of death. He comes to Jesus and begs him to heal his boy. At the beginning of this story, we're going to see that he has a kind of faith in Jesus. At the end of the story, he's going to have what I call a saving faith in Jesus. But then throughout the story, we're going to see Jesus working in order to raise his level of faith. And there are three things in particular I want you to notice as we study this together. You might say three stages of faith and what Jesus does to bring us from one to the next. 
First of all, I want you to notice faith in the power of Jesus. This man had faith in the power of Jesus. Look at verse 43. Now, after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast." If you were here last week, you remember Jesus was ministering in Samaria. The Bible says that he remained there two more days, but he's going north. He's on his way to Galilee. And it's interesting that as Jesus is on his way to Galilee, John includes this particular statement in verse 43 that says, a prophet has no honor in his own country. That phrase, a prophet has no honor in his own country, it is uh, uh, repeated four times in the Gospels. Once in Matthew, once in Mark, once in Luke, and once in John. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that statement appears when Jesus was rejected in Nazareth, the town where he grew up. Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah, and what did the people say? Are you kidding me? Jesus, the Messiah, that's Joseph's boy. That's Mary's boy. We watch that kid grow up. We know his siblings. They live right around the corner. He's the Messiah? I don't think so. He's just a carpenter. Now, the Bible says in Matthew's gospel that Jesus did not perform many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The Bible says in Luke's gospel, when that statement appears, that they got so angry, they were going to execute Jesus by throwing him off a cliff. But Jesus pulled a Houdini and escaped. But it was in this context, in this context, that Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his own country. It's all about how he was rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. Where was Nazareth? In Galilee. Where's Jesus going? Galilee. Where in Galilee is Jesus going? The next verse says, Cana of Galilee. How far is Cana from Nazareth? 3.7 miles. So do you understand what's happening here? Jesus is going right back into the lion's den. Thus John says, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Some people might have said to Jesus, and maybe they said to Jesus, oh Jesus, I don't know if you should go back there. Don't you remember what happened the last time? Don't you remember how they tried to kill you? Maybe you should minister somewhere else for now. And this is Jesus saying, Nope, I will go wherever my Father leads me. This is Jesus being willing to go to difficult places. He's willing to go where it is rough sledding, so to speak. He was willing to do that even to reach one person who needed to be reached. Now the question is, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to go to the hard places 
to reach one. Sometimes we sing that song, wherever he leads, I'll go. Is it true? Do we really mean it? Jesus is going back to the place of his previous rejection. And yet, verse 45 says that the Galileans, this time, they received him. Why? Because they saw all the things that Jesus did in Jerusalem. Because many of them were in Jerusalem at the time. What things did they see Jesus do? Well, John chapter 2 says that Jesus performed many signs in Jerusalem, and many people believed him because of the many signs that he did. In other words, they saw his miracles. And they didn't know much about Jesus, but they knew that he was powerful. They knew that Jesus could do things that other people could not do. And that is why this next character enters the story in verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. This is one of those stories that just reads differently if you're a parent. Because if you're a parent and you read this story, your first thought is, if this were my child. And some of you understand this better than others because, honestly, you've been there. But here was this nobleman. That Greek word nobleman literally comes from the word king. He was a king's official. He probably worked for King Herod. And thus, he was a very prominent man. He was a man with power and influence and money. But you know what? In that moment, none of that mattered. None of that mattered because his son was sick and he was at the point of death. I'm willing to bet that that father did not spare any expense. I'm willing to bet that he'd been to see every doctor, had his son try every medicine that was available. But in this moment, he was powerless. In this moment, his influence could not help him. In this moment, his money could not buy his son's health. So verse 47 says, he came to Jesus and implored him he begged him and the verb tense here means that he begged him continually can you hear the desperation in this man's voice as he's following jesus please jesus please come with me and do something for my boy sometimes god allows us to hit rock bottom sometimes he allows us to reach that point of desperation that we would cry out to him from the depths of our hearts. And sometimes it's at that moment that he responds to us. Let me just ask you this question. If this nobleman's son had not been sick, if he had not been at the point of death, do you think this nobleman would have gone to Cana looking for Jesus? I don't think so. I don't think so. You see, the worst thing that ever happened to this man turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to this man because what happened was the thing that drove him to Jesus I've said many times anything that happens in your life 
good or bad, anything that happens in your life, no matter how painful it might be, if it causes you to trust God and experience God, it is a blessing, not a curse. Anything that comes into your life that drives you into the arms of Jesus, it is a blessing, not a curse. This man didn't know much about Jesus. All he knew about Jesus is Jesus is some guy who goes around healing people. And you know what? I bet he was not interested in all of that Messiah stuff. All he knew is that Jesus was powerful and that Jesus could do what he wanted him to do. So he came to Jesus. He begged Jesus. And notice the response in verse 48. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Wait a second. That's how Jesus responds? This guy's at the end of his rope. He's desperate. He cries out to Jesus. He's begging. Heal my boy. And Jesus complains about him asking for a sign. Wait a second. Does that sound like Jesus? What's going on here? Well, there's really a key word that you need to notice to understand what Jesus is saying. He says, unless you people. Now, the word people is not in the Greek. The New King James inserts the word people because the word you is plural. In other words, Jesus said, unless all of you. He's talking to the nobleman, but he's talking about the crowd that surrounded them. And do you know what that crowd was? It was a crowd of sign seekers. They were not interested in knowing God. They were not interested in following Jesus. They just wanted to see the next big thing. To them, following Jesus was like me taking my family to see the circus. And they're following Jesus and they've got their popcorn ready. I wonder what Jesus is going to do this time. And they're waiting, and they're watching, and you know what they want? They want to be entertained. And guess what? Not much has changed. This world is still full of people just like that today. And I'll just come out and say it. Some of the largest churches in America, some of the largest churches in Florida are all about putting on a show where God is just a means to an end, where to them God is like a genie in a bottle to give you what you want so that you will be healthy and wealthy all the time. Do you understand what God desires for you and me is so much bigger and greater than that? God wants a relationship with us in which we experience him and we love him and we walk with him. This noble man, yes, he had faith in Jesus' power to heal his son, and that is good. But listen to me carefully. It is possible to have faith in the power of Jesus without actually knowing Jesus personally. And that's why the story doesn't end here. That leads to the next part of the story. We see faith in the power of Jesus, but then moving on, we see faith in the promise of Jesus. Faith in his promise. Look at verse 49. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. 
Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Now I want you to notice his response to Jesus, come down before my child dies. We immediately see that he had two problems in his theology. He had two errors in his thinking about Jesus. Number one, he thought Jesus had to be physically present in order to heal his son. As if Jesus had kind of a healing radius, like you and your cell phone. You have to be within range of the tower in order to have reception, right? He thought Jesus had to be within a certain range of his son in order to be able to heal him. Now that was problem number one. Problem number two was he thought that if his son died, that would be too late because he doesn't know who he's talking to. He doesn't realize he's talking to someone who actually has the power to raise the dead. And this is why Jesus responded the way he did in verse 50. Do you realize many other times in his ministry, yes, Jesus physically showed up. At other times, Jesus offered to actually show up. You remember that story in Luke chapter 7 when the centurion came to Jesus and asked him to heal his son, and Jesus said, okay, I'll do that. Why don't I come right on over to your house right now? And he said, oh, Jesus, please don't do that. Please don't come to my home because I'm not worthy to have you in it. And yet this time, in John chapter 4, the nobleman begs Jesus to come into his home. So what does Jesus not do? He does not go to his home. Why not? Because as concerned as Jesus was about that man's son and his sickness, he was even more concerned about the father's faith. He already knew he was going to heal the son, but he wanted the father to grow in his faith and to know who Jesus is. I don't know what any of you may be going through this morning, but I can tell you this. God is more concerned about your faith than he is your problems. God is concerned about your problems. The Bible says, cast your cares on him. For he cares for you. Yes, God's concerned about your problems. But hear me carefully. God is more concerned about your faith than he is your problems because your problems are never a problem to God. And so he cares more about your faith than your problems. He cares more about your faith than he does your health. He cares more about your faith than he does your finances. He cares more about your faith than he does your grades. He cares more about your faith than he does whatever problem you may have in your life. And so Jesus, because he cared about this man's faith, yes, he did what the man asked him to do, but he did not do it in the way that he wanted him to do it. What did the man ask for? A sign. What does Jesus immediately give him? A promise. That's it. No fanfare, no fireworks, no show. All he gives them is his word. He gives them a promise that his son will live. And now, all of a sudden, this nobleman, it's like he's at a crossroads. All of a sudden, he's got to decide how is he going to respond. 
Is he going to believe or is he not going to believe? Verse 50 says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Faith means believing God's promise that he will do what he says he will do even when you can't see it or make any sense of it. I already know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are probably thinking, Pastor, I don't know if I could ever have that kind of faith in God. Well, I'm here to tell you, you already have that kind of faith all the time, every day. For example, you will get sick with something that you can't even spell. So what do you do? You go to a doctor that you don't even know. What does he do? He writes a prescription that you can't even read. You then take that prescription to a pharmacist you have never met. He will prescribe to you a medicine you cannot pronounce, and then you will take it, expecting that you will get better. Now, do you know what this is called? Faith. And if you can have this kind of faith in man, yes, you can have this kind of faith in God. There's this phrase that we use that we've all heard. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. In other words, i got to see something to verify it, to know if it's really true, true. And that makes sense. That works fine when you're dealing with man. It doesn't work when you're dealing with God. Because when it comes to spiritual things, the rule is not seeing is believing. The rule is believing is seeing. When we choose to grab hold of the promises of God, when we choose to believe that the same God who was faithful in the past will be faithful in the future, that's when we see through the eyes of faith. That's when we see the better future that God has for us. It's when we see the reality of Romans 8.28, God making all things work together for our good. That's when we can see the trial becoming a testimony. Now, at this point in the story, I want to kind of pause and clarify one thing. Please do not read this story like some people do and say, well, I guess that means if I just have enough faith, I'll never get sick. Or if I do, I'll always get better. If I just have enough faith, I guess that means my loved one will never die. Number one, that is not true. Number two, that is not the point. The point is, by faith, we trust God's promises, whether or not he does what we want him to do. By faith, we see beyond whatever the trial is at the moment. Now, in this case, Jesus promised to heal the son because in this case, yes, that was God's will. And the Bible says that the nobleman, he chose to believe Jesus. And because he believed through the eyes of faith, spiritually, he saw his son alive and well. Notice what it says in verse 51. 
And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The nobleman is returning home, and here come the servants telling him, your son lives. Did you notice? That's the exact same statement that Jesus made word for word. And you notice he asked them, at what time did my son get better? And they said, at the seventh hour. And remember, the way the Jews counted time back then, the seventh hour meant 1 p.m. 1 p.m. This is where the story blows me away every time that I read it. Every single time. This nobleman believed so fervently in the promise of Jesus. He could have immediately gone home to Capernaum. It was just 18 miles away. He was a royal official. He had his chariot. It would have only taken him a couple of hours. Even if he were walking, and he probably wasn't, even if he were walking, he could have returned home that same day. The very fact that his servants informed him that his son was healed the day before. Do you understand what that means? That means he waited until the next day to return home. And this man believed so much in the promise Jesus gave him, he spent the night in Cana. Do you understand? This is both crazy and it makes perfect sense all at the same time. This is crazy because, on the one hand, if I'm the dad, I know what I'm doing. I'm rushing home as quickly as possible so that I can see my son alive and well and so I can verify that what Jesus said is true. So to me, it's crazy that he spent the night in Cana. But on the other hand, it makes perfect sense. Because... If you know that your son has been healed and nobody at home is sick and everybody's fine, why rush? You don't have to be in a hurry. You got business to do in Cana? Do it. Take your time. I can just imagine him doing his business in Canaan. Maybe somebody comes up to him and says, Oh, sir, I'm so sorry. I heard about your son. How's he doing? He says, My son's been healed. That's great. When did that happen? About an hour ago. An hour ago? Oh, did he come with you? Is he here in Cana? No. Have you, have you seen him? How, how do you know he was healed? I know because Jesus told me. That's why this story is recorded for us in the Word of God. And Jesus healed so many other people whose stories are not recorded in Scripture. That's why this story is told. So that we would learn this kind of faith. He started off with faith 
in the power of Jesus. And he chose to believe in the promise of Jesus. But that leads to a, a final thing we see in this passage, and that is faith in the person of Jesus. Look at verse 53. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. You know how I wish I could have been like a fly on the wall, how I could have listened in on that conversation when that man got home. And I can just imagine he comes home, his wife says, oh, honey, let me tell you the good news. Let me tell you about this miracle that took place. And, and maybe he says to his wife, forget about the miracle. Let me tell you about the man who performed it. And so this man, he tells his wife, you know what? She believed. He told his son. He believed. He told his whole family. You know what? They believed. And notice it says his whole household believed as well. Do you understand? This is the highlight of the story. The highlight of the story is not that the son got healed. The highlight of the story is that the whole family got saved. And the Bible says that he himself believed and his family so this time listen he believes and his faith is not in a miracle his faith is in a person he believes now in the person of jesus not just the miracle worker not just the healer now he believes in jesus the messiah jesus the savior look at verse 54 this again is the second sign jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This wasn't the second miracle Jesus performed. It's the second one he performed in Galilee. Now, why does John conclude the story by telling us this particular detail, that this was his second miracle in Galilee? Well, think about the first miracle. The first miracle, Jesus turned water into wine proving that he was Lord over time. In the second miracle, Jesus healed the nobleman's son from a distance, proving he's Lord over space. He's Lord over time. He's Lord over space. John wants us to know he is Lord of all. And he gives us this detail, I believe, so that we'll understand the point now is not whether or not the nobleman believed. The point is, Will you believe? Will I believe? And so right now, I just want to invite you to place your faith in Christ, not as just the one who can solve your problems, not just the one who can heal your body, not just the one who can restore your marriage, not just the one who can meet your needs. I invite you to place your faith in the one who can save you, who can forgive you, who can give you eternal life and abundant life, the one who can transform you and turn you into a new creation. And 2,000 years ago, you know what Jesus did? He came from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life. He then died on the cross, taking our place. He died for your sins and mine. And the Bible says on the third day he rose again, proving that he has the power to save us. And he gives us his promise 
that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He gives us his promise, and those who believe that promise will find the person of Jesus to be everything he said, everything he claimed to be, and so much more than any of us could ever imagine. You join me as we pray. Oh God, we thank you for this story and for this great example of faith. And we confess to you the many times when we should have had faith in you, but we did not. We should have trusted you, but we didn't. So God, forgive us. And if there is an area of our lives where right now you've been calling us to have faith in you, would you forgive us and would you help us and would you give us the grace to trust you more, to take that next step of faith, whatever it might be. Father, I know that everyone in this room is different and they're at different places, but we all have that next step of faith in front of us. But God, I also know that for some here today, they're standing in front of that first step. They need to take that first step of faith in confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord. So Lord, I want to pray for them especially that you'd give them the grace to do that. That they would recognize that our sin is rebellion. And that our sin separates us from you. But Jesus died for that sin. He rose again. And right now, if they will receive him and confess him as Lord and believe upon him, they will be saved. Help them, Lord, to take that step of faith this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've done, how faithful you've been, and for what you're going to do as well. And Lord, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name.